if you were here last week, uh, I was kind of doing a, a part one kind of intro, a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Um, in, in a sense, we hope every week is a bit about the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, but particularly just look, looking at this verse um, in Acts 8. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers uh, there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed his hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It's quite an intriguing passage as to what happened. There's another account um, later in Acts, I think it's Acts 19, where they go to meet these believers, these new believers, and start talking to them about the Holy Spirit. And they ask the question, have you received the Holy Spirit? And their response is kind of hilarious. They say, "Uh, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, Um, which is quite an honest response. And actually, as we look through sections of church history, um, I find church history quite fascinating. As you look back through swathes of church history over the last 2,000 years since Pentecost, if we're honest, there have been large sections of history where particular sections of the church could almost say, well, we kind of know there's sort of a Holy Spirit, but we don't really know very much about it. And that would often be the way that they would be talked about, it rather than him rather than having personality, which is the way the Bible describes the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity. So we have this intriguing passage talking about the Holy Spirit, and they pray, they lay their hands on them. There's something about the physical laying hands on um, that we see in Scripture. There's some sort of impartation that happens. There's some sort of evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in people. Sometimes it's evidence through signs, through um, physical manifestations. Sometimes it's through gifts, such as the gift of tongues. Sometimes it's just not that. Sometimes it's peace or serenity or all sorts of other things that happen in that moment. But whatever happened, it was evident that as they prayed for them, we're told in Acts 8, they received the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at a bit more about the Holy Spirit tonight. We want to provide an opportunity for people to have... people. We offer that at the end of every service. Um, Prayer for healing, prayer for breakthrough, prayer for God's comfort, his encouragement, a bit of a words of wisdom or whatever it may be. Um, But tonight we particularly want to really press into that again to say, Lord, I really would like more of your Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we're really passive about that. We kind of think, yeah, I'd like more of the Holy Spirit. So if I said to you, (laughs) would you like more of the Holy Spirit? Deb is nodding very definitely in the back. But most of us, in a very English kind of way, go, yeah, yeah. If it's free, yeah, I've, that's good, yeah. Sounds like, that's all right, I'll have a bit of Holy Spirit. You know, sort of blasé about it. Yeah, if, you know, if he's going, and, you know, yeah, if it's not going to disturb me too much, yeah, that's fine. Now, if I was in other parts of the church or in other parts of the world, I said, would you like more of the Holy Spirit? They would leap to their feet, waving their arms in reckless abandonment, saying, yeah! Lord, our Anglican and more English, most of us. So, you know, I'll take a nod as a head of the kind of yes, that'll do. But of course, actually, for those of us who are Christians, we really do need more of the Holy Spirit. And actually, I know deep down, hopefully you're here tonight because you want more of God. And the Holy Spirit, of course, is part of that glorious Trinity, part of that wonderful eternal dance of that I have to talk about, the perichoresis, the dance of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this beautiful Trinity. And we need more of God in these days. I really need more of God as a father. 
to be a better dad. I need more of the Holy Spirit to be a better husband. I definitely need more of the Holy Spirit to be a better church leader. Because so often we become just about ourselves, trying to do things in our own strength. And it gets, well, if we're honest, it gets really kind of, um, we, we run dry. And God wants to give us more of himself to help us. Because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. His spirit wants to equip us. Last week, you remember, I gave that image of you know, trying to blow breath into the, into the fire and Sammy doing his best to blow kind of flames, blow um, air into the fire to get it roaring and just kind of nearly putting the fire out as he was spitting on it because he couldn't really blow. And me leaning over his shoulder and really blowing hard to get the fire roaring. God wants to be the breath in us to strengthen us, to empower us, to uh, fill us and refresh us. Um, the passage I read from Acts was, was last, last week's reading on the lecturing, and Debbie is going to come and read this week's, because I forgot to ask her to read it last week, and she'd been practicing all week, late into the night, and then I just took it away from her by reading it very badly. So this week, have you been practicing lots, Debbie? Good, she's going to read this passage. The reading's from 1 Corinthians 12, and it's the whole chapter. Concerning spiritual gifts. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts... But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. 
it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. So you are the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And in this city, we have a fabulous church that we're part of. It's exciting to be part of the body. But our bodies, our physical bodies, get weary, get tired, get run down. I know my body does. And sometimes the body of Christ, sometimes if we're honest, can just get very about us doing our things in our own strength. But for the body of Christ to function really effectively, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus went around, he went in the power of the Spirit. It says when he came out of the wilderness, it said Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, went out and ministered. Jesus had that power of God within him, which is why he was able to move in spiritual gifts, which is why he was able to have incredible words of wisdom, like that passage I read earlier about the woman at the well. He says to her, after that kind of encounter, offering her living water, he says to her, go and get your husband. And she says, if you know that passage really well, he says, sir, I don't have a husband. And in that moment, he says, no, that's because you've had several husbands, and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. And with the word of knowledge that could only come by the power of the Holy Spirit from God, bringing revelation of something unseen, something hidden, spectacular moment. And it unlocks her life. And she says to him, you must be a prophet. Because she's undone in that moment. 
The Holy Spirit brings that word of revelation, that word of power. And we need that in our witness, in our mission, in our evangelism. When Jesus goes and prays, when the apostles were walking through and their shadow kind of touched that lame person and he was kind of suddenly received healing. The church of Christ needs to have the power of Christ. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But so often we run dry or we just turn to our own resources, our own way of being. We need God's strength. We need God's power. We need it to stay fresh in our faith, to stay full of hope, expectancy, excitement. I said last week that the Holy Spirit, one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to do is help us know who we are. At that moment when Jesus was baptized, God speaks from heaven and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And the Father says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. My beloved, the apple of my eye. I think the Holy Spirit wants to help us. Part of the the role of the Holy Spirit is to help us know what it means to be a, a child of God. How to relate to God the Father. We're told the Holy Spirit helps us to cry out, Abba, Father. It helps us to know intimacy with God. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us know who we are and how we're gifted. You know, I look around this church and I see lots and lots of gifted people. Some of I know better than others, but there's so many different gifts in this church. Gifts of leadership, gifts of mercy, gifts of grace, gifts of giving and generosity, gifts of the prophetic, gifts of healing, supernatural gifts, gifts of faith. And that's so exciting that we, because we need each other, that together we're better than when we're apart. And that's the exciting thing about the church. When it's at its best, people know what their gifts are, know who they are, know that they're called by God to operate and find a space to be able to move in those gifts so that we all move forward as one body, bringing blessing to others. But we need to know that those gifts are helped by the Holy Spirit, that our character is shaped by the Holy Spirit. We begin to bear fruit, gentleness, kindness, self-control, those kind of gifts, gifts of love, but also the supernatural gifts that empower who we are and help us to become actual gifts to the church and the world, gifts of apostles, gifts of pastors, teachers, evangelists. God wants us to become gifts to one another, to the church and to the world. But that is all because of the Holy Spirit. It's not about us. God empowers us and gives us, just as he determines. So here's the question. Do you know who you are? And do you know what gift you are? Do you know know what gifts God has given you? What gifts would you like to move in? Part of the role, I think, of the church is to help people begin to move in those gifts, gifts and explore those gifts. That's why being part of the church and being in a life hub and part of the church family helps begin to explore some of that. But in all of this, the key, I think, is intimacy and friendship, closeness to the Holy Spirit. Many of you will have heard me say before, I grew up in, in a range of different churches, in a very traditional Baptist church, in a United Reformed church, in a kind of really village, tiny little Anglican church. And in all those years at church, wonderful churches, I'm really thankful to God. You know, I heard the word preached, I, I began to grasp a little bit maybe of something what the cross was about and Jesus as Lord and Savior. I didn't fully understand it, but I knew God was there. And there were moments where I sensed God. In some of the services, I sense something much bigger than myself. But in all those years of being part of a church, I don't ever remember anyone really talking about the Holy Spirit very much. I remember people praying about the Holy Ghost, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
And then a bit later on, the church I went to, it stopped being Holy Ghost and it started becoming Holy Spirit. And I was thinking, is that the same thing? But no one ever really talked about the Holy Spirit. No one ever spoke about him. And then when I was 15 years old, some of you will have heard me say, I read a book uh, by Jackie Pullinger, Chasing the Dragon. Someone on this Christian camp gave it to me and thought I might find it interesting. I was on holiday in France and I was mesmerized by this book. She is a, I think, 17, 18-year-old girl, felt God call her to go on mission. Her family thought she was mad. Her church pastor thought she was mad. Everyone thought she was mad. She bought a one-way ticket to Hong Kong, got on a boat, and just went. Can I just say, if any of you are thinking about mission, please do come and talk to me before you do that at the end of the night. Um, God sometimes does call people like that. And clearly God did call Jackie like that, but it's a kind of terrifying thing. She got on a boat and she went to, ended up in Hong Kong. Didn't really know what she was doing there. She ended up in the walled city, which was a kind of area of triad drug lords, um, terrible opium, heroin problem there, real serious crime, gang crime. And she was this 18-year-old, slightly naive Christian girl living right in the middle of it. She started um, connecting with some of the homeless there, had a real heart for the poor. And to cut a long story short, she started getting involved in helping some of these homeless people uh, in the small churches there. But the thing that really captivated me in this book is that she talked about the Holy Spirit as though it was someone she knew. And she talked about a source of power that I had never seen apart from perhaps in the Bible. She talked about miracles and things going on in people's lives that was mind-blowing and really compelling, and certainly for me as a 15-year-old lad, thinking, wow, her faith looks a lot more exciting than mine. A bit hairy, maybe, but actually, God's doing things in her life. And then she talked about the gift of tongues. See, she was working with heroin addicts, and she felt God say to her one day, I want you to start speaking in tongues for 15 minutes every day, just as a discipline. Now, I'd vaguely heard about talking in tongues in the Bible, but didn't really know anything about it. So I was fascinated, so I kept reading. And as she made this discipline of praying for 15 minutes every day in tongues, on her own, she would watch a clock while it happens. Something seemed to happen in her spirit, and something certainly happened around her. She started working with these heroin addicts, and they started noticing that instead of these heroin addicts going through cold turkey over a period of weeks, cold turkey is when you stop the heroin and then you get the shakes and the withdrawal symptoms that actually can be really horrendous, actually potentially can kill people because their body can't cope without the drugs. They began to notice that these people going through cold turkey just did it in one night, and then were clear, free of drugs, and they would sit. And the more they got people around them to sit and pray in tongues supernaturally, the quicker these people got off heroin. These are hardened triad drug peddlers who have been on heroin all of their lives, who are coming off the effects of heroin overnight and getting saved, and then helping to be involved in mission and outreach in the communities where they'd come from. Now, I read this and thought, what the heck is going on? This sounds really amazing, especially this speaking in tongues thing. So I said before, I was, in the, I was on holiday in France. I remember in the Loire Valley in a tent, really hot in the middle of the day. I'd been reading this book. Got inside my tent, which was like an oven. It was about 140 degrees in there. And I sat on my bed with this book and said, God, I'd really like the gift of tongues. I didn't know how long to wait, but it felt like forever. I was a 15-year-old lad, so it was probably about 40 seconds, because that was my concentration span. And absolutely nothing happened. And I kind of thought, oh, that was a bit sad. 
And then I kind of went back to church and got involved in church life that I was part of. But there was something niggling. I said, there's got to be more than this. I, I really wanted to pray. I really wanted to follow Jesus. I really, school wanted to be a good witness. But you know what? I actually was pretty rubbish. at I was full of fear. I struggled having confidence in all sorts of realms. And certainly reading the Bible was hard. And I kind of read it for a bit. And then I couldn't help keep it up. And I forgot. And praying was tough. And I just, this Christianity thing just never really seemed to stick is what it felt like. When I was 17, uh, I got saved, which is quite helpful, fully, properly sorted out, actually really felt God connect with me and gave my life to him. And then I got involved in a, a, a church nearby, passed my driving test, which enabled me to travel to this church where there were young people, which came as a bit of a novel experience because I'd never been in a church where there were young people. The first morning I arrived at this church, I was late. I didn't know where I was going. Uh, they met in a school in this part of Kent where I was living I parked the car the car car park was full of cars which was like wow there's a lot of people here got into the church service and they had already begun Um, it wasn't like St. Matt starting late it obviously started on time they were already in the flow of worship and as I walked in everyone was singing this sort of sounded like angelic sound they were all singing different things and there were harmonies going on and this mesmerizingly beautiful sound which I kind of thought, what is this? And I kind of stood at the back, a bit scared, if I'm honest, but also really drawn in. And they were all singing in tongues. The whole church, about 150 people, were just singing in the spirit. This beautiful, mesmerizing sound. I'd never experienced anything like it. And I kind of had a flashback to thinking, that's what in in the book that I'd read those years ago, they were talking about the Holy Spirit singing in tongues. That was my first actual encounter of people actually speaking in tongues. And if I'm honest, I was a bit scared, a bit nervous, are these guys crazy? But as I kind of got to know them, I actually found they were actually quite nice, quite normal people. And there was something there that really drew me in. They seemed to have a faith that was alive. And I spent some time talking to them, and a few of them prayed for me. And to cut a long story short-ish, a few weeks later, I was lying uh, in bed on a, on a Sunday night. I'd been with them on a church weekend, and a found some real good friends and my faith felt really strong and I remember lying in bed saying God this is amazing I've encountered these people who really love you I've encountered you and your grace I've actually feel like for the first time in my life I know what it is to be a Christian I've experienced I can see your spirit at work in people and it's just really exciting to be following you and to know you I want to give the rest of my life to you I want to follow you and Kind of, it was like a here I am God moment, lying in my bed late at night on my own. And as I've said before, kind of a sort of 17, 18 year old kind of bloke's vocabulary is limited at the best of times. And I remember lying in my bed going, God, you're so amazing. God, you really are amazing. God, you're so amazingly amazing. And I was, I was kind of laughing because I just didn't have the words to just say how much I thought God was so amazing. You're incredible. Another one came to mind. Incredibly amazing. And I was really moved inside. Just, God, it's so great. You found me. In that moment where you think, you know what, I, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It was a beautiful moment. It felt like coming home to God. And as I lay in my bed, overwhelmed by God's grace, thinking, God, I just want to follow you. I want my life to be about you. As I lay there, suddenly it was as though someone stuck my fingers into an electrical socket. I started shaking, like properly shaking. I could hear the bed banging against the wall. 
And then suddenly, before I knew what was happening, out of my mouth, poof, shot these tongues, like a language that I didn't speak, naturally. And it was almost as I was lying in my bed, listening to this happening to me, going, okay, this is a kind of unexpected. Felt the power of God's Spirit literally on me in that moment. And these tongues came out. And I thought, wow, okay, that's the gift of tongues. And suddenly God flashed me back to when I was in that tent, 15 years old, and he said to me, this is the answer to your prayer from all those years ago. And not only do I want to give you some tongues, I'm going to give you lots of languages. And and God spoke a bit. Now, I had never expected it, but I was like a little kid at Christmas. I was so excited, honestly, for the next four or five nights, when my pet mum and dad went to bed, I would sneak downstairs into the lounge, put my hand over my mouth and go, to see if I could still do this thing. Because it was just like the most exciting thing ever. I I can speak in tongues, this is mad, this is so exciting. And we kind of listen to myself doing it, going, oh, that sounds kind of like Asian, or, or it almost sounds like, now it sounds like I'm somewhere in the northern Europe somewhere. I was so excited. You know, the gift of tongues is just a gift. But there's something in that response as a child that goes, wow, God, that's amazing. Where we actually recognize it for what it is that says, that's so exciting. I want to press into more of that. And the sad thing about our Christian walk is sometimes we begin to take so much of the kingdom for granted. God's grace. Oh, yeah, Jesus saved me. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm destined for heaven, for eternity. It's really good. Yeah, and he's given me gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, I prophesied a few times. It was really cool. Yeah, I got a word of knowledge once or twice. And suddenly we get into this realm of almost taking for granted the wonder of God's grace, the power of his Spirit, that the revelation that God himself would want to come and fill our hearts, fill our lives, that he would want to dwell in me by his Spirit still amazes me. And the more I think about it, the more amazed I am. Since I've begun to encounter the Holy Spirit then, like many, 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 many people in this room, we've got so many stories. It's made me think, Lord, don't let me ever get to the point where I just take that for granted. But I want to press into the more of God. Maybe it's a bit like living in a bakery. When you walk past a bakery first thing in the morning, you smell the bread. It's just like nothing on earth, is it? Fresh baked bread. It's just like you would kind of give anything to just go in and buy a piece of that bread and just eat freshly cooked hot bread. It's incredible. But I wonder if bakers used to be like, yeah, it's a nice roll. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Sometimes in the church, we almost take for granted the wonder of what God has done, done amongst us. And I want us to be stirred to press into the more of God. Because I think part of our hung- question for us is, how hungry are we for more of God? Or do we simply say, yeah, Jesus, here I am. Come and fill me when you're ready, in your own time, any time. I'm always ready for more. But actually, we're a bit passive about it. God is saying, are you willing to dig deep wells again? Someone had a picture before the service that I thought was really helpful. They saw someone on a beach, and they were digging a hole near the water's edge. And as they chose to dig this hole, it meant that water could kind of, you know like how kids love to dig a hole to make a moat? It meant that water could come in and fill the hole. But even in the action of digging this hole in the sand, if you dig down deep on a beach, particularly near the water's edge, you start going deep enough, what happens? Yeah, water starts coming up from the bottom, and suddenly you get a pool at the bottom of the hole. 
you haven't kind of made it happen, but you've just created an, an opportunity for this thing to begin to fill. And I sense the Holy Spirit saying to you and I, is, are we willing to dig holes? Are we willing to dig wells to say, Lord, I don't just want to passively say, come and fill me. Actually, I'm serious about this. I really need you to fill me. I want more of your spirit in my life, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my workplace, for me and my witness, for me as I study, for me as I try and press into the business sphere. I need your spirit to give me wisdom and power and authority and holiness and truthfulness. I want to be a man, a woman of integrity. I want to be a bright light shining on a hill. But actually, if all people see is me, then we're in big trouble. Because I'm not great, if I'm honest, Lord. But if they see you, then wow, maybe amazing things can happen. And sometimes for that to happen, there has to be this great exchange. That's what the cross is all about. We come with all of our crap. We offer ourselves to to Jesus, who rightly could say, do you know what, actually, you're a bit of a mess. But actually he says, well, no, actually, of course, I died for all your mess, all your rubbish. Let me take it off you. Let me take your baggage. Let me take your wounds. Let me take your hurt, your shame, your guilt, your failure. Let me take all of that. And actually here is my freedom, my righteousness, the way the Father sees me. It will see you now as holy, forgiven, cleansed, beautiful, loved restored how you were supposed to be. And there's this incredible exchange that happens at the cross. I think what God might be saying to some tonight is, if you really want more of his spirit to fill you, then you need to create some space in your life for him to fill you. Because sometimes we fill ourselves with ourselves. My dreams, my longings, my rights, my needs, my hurt, my shame, my past, my guilt. And we hold it in. And God is so gracious, he pours out his spirit over us. And often we sense it and we feel the splashes and lightness of his spirit. But what he doesn't want to do is just splash on you. He wants to fill you. Fill you to overflowing. Fill you from the inside out. There's that wonderful verse that says the spirit of God wants to make his home in us. He doesn't want to kind of just sort of flirt with us and then go home again. He wants to make his home in us, right in the center of our being. And I know for that to happen in my life, there are seasons where I've had to say, Lord, will you cleanse me from the inside out? Will you wash away my selfishness? Will you wash away my pride, my vanity, my ego, my need for other people's approval? Will you come and fill the places where I feel I can actually do without you? My strengths, where I think, I I kind of don't need to pray about that, I can just do that. Actually, God, I need you in every single area. And as we empty ourselves out, there's more room for God to come and fill. You know, I get so excited about the Holy Spirit. Because life as a Christian, with the extravagant beauty of the Holy Spirit bustling around us, is so much better than boring religion. And you get to choose which you want. Because God's so gracious. If you just want religion, singing songs, reading books, going to meetings, talking about God, you can have that. But if you want to know the power of the Spirit, the incredible revelation of the love of Jesus and the Father heart of God bursting into your life, into every aspect of your life, through the good times and through the really, really tough times, then we need to open ourselves and say, Lord, 
like John the Baptist prayed, may I decrease so that you may increase. And I don't know about you, but I know I need that and I want that. And it saddens me that sometimes I settle for a lot less than that. I settle for nice church and comfortable Christianity where we kind of do the good things and we do good things. And God's very gracious about that. But at times, I think there's so much more for us if we're really really willing to be radical. The Holy Spirit wants to be involved in all of our lives. He was there at the beginning of creation, brooding, hovering over the chaos and disorder. And when he comes, he brings new life and freedom and vitality. And I think that's really brilliant. I know I need that. I know I need God's harmony, God's order, God's creativity in my life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is, I think he's constantly searching for somewhere to land. He's constantly looking at your and my lives. And, you know, sometimes we look at our lives and think, I'm such a mess. God really won't want this. I'll sort myself out. I'll pray more. I'll read the Bible more. I'll get more holy, and then maybe God will be able to do something. It's kind of the wrong way around. If you start in that place, you're caught up in religion. And you're always going to fail. What you need to do is go, Lord, I'm in chaos and disorder. I'm a mess. And I really need your help. And then the Holy Spirit comes and brings restoration and healing and transformation. That's what he does. Bringing beauty out of brokenness. Bringing life to humanity. That's what happened with Adam and Eve, isn't it? God breathed into Adam, who was just dust, and he came to life. When Jesus met those disciples in the upper room, when they were really terrified, John 20, Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them again. It's the same sign of the breath of God. Breath. Bringing life. Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear, fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. So if you feel like dust, there's good news. I think the Father wants to breathe on you and bring you life. He wants to give us power. He wants to give us gifts. We talked about baptism. Um, we love baptism as a church here. We love doing kind of full immersion baptisms or reaffirmation of baptism or vows through full immersion. We love doing all of those. And it's exciting. I know some of you are thinking about that. Um, and I think it's important. I think baptism is important. Water baptism is an important sign. It's helpful. And you may want to talk, talk, us, talk that through with some of us. But it's not enough. See, Jesus, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that word baptize in the Greek for baptism in water and also for baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's a really powerful word. It means to overwhelm, to plunge, to completely drench you in it. We're not supposed to get little splashes of the Holy Spirit every now and then. God's heart is to drench you in his spirit, to absolutely soak you through to the bone through the bone, into the inside of you. I know that's what I need. 
And I know that night when I was 17, when I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what I felt right into my very being, soaked, overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. It wasn't what I expected. In some ways, it was a kind of a bit of a holy moment, so I almost was a bit fearful, but in a wonderful way, because I knew God's love there too. And many people here have experienced that. And what I want to say is it's not supposed to be just a one-off thing. The Bible says, continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a daily thing. If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, will have streams of living water flowing from within. It brings joy. It brings hope when we do that. I was chatting to Miles last week. Many of you will know Miles. He's very lovely. He's Welsh. He's lovely. Those two things aren't separable. There. And, it, you know, Miles is such a star. I remember a while ago we had pastor up here on, a, on an evening. And we were chatting about the Holy Spirit. We'd been talking about gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit. And he came up to me and he said, um, he said, you know, I've grown up all my life in church, people talking about the Holy Spirit. But I'm just not sure I've ever really encountered him. Maybe I have. I'm just not sure. I know I'm a Christian, I know my spirit's alive, I know the Holy Spirit's at work in me, because you can't become a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Anyone who's a believer, the Holy Spirit has caused our, our spirit to come alive, our souls to come alive. But I'm just not sure that I know the Holy Spirit. So I said to him, well, should we pray with you on Sunday night and, and ask for an encounter with the Holy Spirit? And he went, that'd be lovely. Or words to that effect. So on that Sunday evening, we just prayed really simply. And you know, in those moments you think, it's not about whipping ourselves into a friend's excitement. We just stood there. And I felt God's heart for Miles. Miles is a wonderful, wonderful man. God really loves him. And I think God wanted to show him that night and tell him. So I think a couple of us just started praying very simply, Lord, you love this man. You want to strengthen him. You want to fill him. Come Holy Spirit. As we prayed that, I kind of opened one eye to look. I could see that something strange was happening to Miles. <laughs> he just suddenly seemed to be shaking a bit. And then the Holy Spirit fell really strongly on him and really, really touched him. And I said, Miles, can you feel the Holy Spirit? And he went, oh yes, that's lovely. Or words to so that effect. He didn't say that at all actually. But you know, and God really met with Miles. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful to see because it was so simple and so wonderful. But the reason I tell you this story is not because of the effects, the physical effects. Sometimes people shake, sometimes they don't. But the thing that was just amazing, looking at Miles, just the smile on his face as he left the church and for the next... Something beautiful. And God's done it again in his life. And God wants to do it more and more. For you and for me, I know that I sometimes need to feel God's smile on me to cause me to smile. You are dearly loved. If you know the love of the Father through Jesus, then be assured that God wants to fill you with his spirit. You don't have to urge him. You don't have to twist his arm. God wants to fill you with his spirit. God wants to give you gifts of the spirit. He wants to equip you in your life. He wants to bring you peace and joy and hope and power. If you are following Jesus, God wants to fill you with his spirit.
Shall I say that one more time? So we've definitely got it. You've heard it from the vicar. If you're following Jesus, God wants to fill you with his spirit because he loves you. You're his precious creation. And his spirit is what transforms our hearts. So I want to just pray for us and we're going to ask for God's spirit to fill us. I'm going to pray a really, really simple prayer because most importantly, I'd really urge you to pray this prayer in your heart. This isn't about wanting or making something happen tonight. This is about your life, your walk with the Father. He wants you to overflow with the Holy Spirit. And so this prayer that we're praying now, I want to encourage us to start praying it daily, as I am. Lord, will you fill me again with your Spirit? I really need you for today. Lord, I thank you that you say, ask and you will receive. And tonight I ask that you would come and fill me. Fill every single one of us in this room with your Holy Spirit. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Some people in this room want the gifts of tongues. So ask. Some of you in this room want gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, gifts of wisdom, gifts of administration, gifts of the miraculous. So ask. Ask the Father and you will receive, says Jesus. Maybe not in the way you expect, maybe not in the timescale you expect. But God is a God who gives good gifts. And even us, earthly fathers who aren't perfect, know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Father, will you help us to pray and praise you in freedom? You are the good God who gives good gifts. Would you fill us with the Father's love? where the enemy wants to cause us to look at our shame, our failure, our brokenness, to turn away from you. Lord, may we be people who dig wells, who say, Lord, here I am, fill us, fill me afresh. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus. Drench me, overwhelm me, saturate me. May I decrease, that you might increase. You say it's to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit. May we be carriers of your love, your power, your grace, your spirit. May you make a home in us.